This is the stinking truth. Week 10 in the books. What do you think about week 11, man? Can't wait. I can't wait. Is this every every year we have the game of the year, right? Mm-hmm. The game of the year. Sure, yeah. Does it get any better than a Super Bowl rematch Philadelphia and Kansas City? Week 11 when both teams are pretty much living up to expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it doesn't get any better than that. And ultimately, I think you can make a real argument that the Philadelphia Eagles are the number one team not only in the NFC, but I think you can make an argument that they're the number one team overall in football. Um, talking about balance, talking about physicality, talking about like how do you want us to beat you? Like how do you want us to beat your ass? You want us to run it down your throat? You want us to out finesse you? Like how do you want to get beat today? They've got the opportunity to do that. That that's how they're built. Kansas City, however, I think it's funny how things morph. With football teams, you know, you win a lot, and eventually, um, I used to go to the dump as a kid. That was one of my jobs, right? It would take garbage to the dump. Did you guys have a dump? Oh yeah, we had a dump. Yeah, so you had to take garbage to the dump, and I would always, I would always set like throwing objects in the corner of the truck right. so that I could throw them at seagulls, right, and try to pick seagulls out <laughs> of the air, right? Because you're a kid, that's what you do, right? And always, here comes Peter. Yeah, always <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, I did, as far as you know, I never hit one. I never killed one. Okay. But anyhow, you're throwing this stuff. But the, You were the, Randy Johnson before yeah, Randy Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> by, by the way, but the seagulls always hunger and you know fly over the garbage, right? They're yeah. they're just picking up garbage. Like when you win a lot, the other teams are like seagulls at the dump. They're taking your leftovers. They're taking your guys. They're saying, hey, this backup could be our starter. This guy could be. I like, and they're paying them mm-hmm. huge money contracts. And so you continue to get Pick that till you're diminished. Your talent level is diminished. And for the Kansas City Chiefs, they're still winning. One, because I think their defense is phenomenal, right? What they did last year in playing and starting, like they're playing six, seven uh, rookies and, and they're starting, you know, five or six rookies and, and they won a championship that way. Those guys are maturing into real NFL professional football players. I think their defense is awesome. Chris Jones is one of the best players in football. But offensively, they're still trying to figure it out. Mm. And offensively, they can control the middle of the football field. I think Isaiah Pacheco's in a really nice piece. But, uh, you know, uh, it's it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Kelsey. And I think, you know, I think when I look at them, I think this uh, – what's the kid's name? Rice. Rasheed Rice? Mm-hmm. Like, I think they've got to do their best, maybe not in this game, but their best here down the stretch to develop a receiver who's dependable, who that – can make big-time plays, and he seems to be the guy, to me, that's that target guy that you're trying to grow up really fast, almost microwave the process to get him ready for another world championship push. Philadelphia, how much did Philadelphia, how much do they benefit from losing the the Super Bowl? Like, we see this in sports a lot, right? right? Teams have to go to a certain level, lose, come back, go to that next step. You yeah. see it a lot in the NBA. But is Philadelphia even more dangerous now because of what they went through, losing the Super Bowl, that maybe they cleared that last hurdle before now they're ready to win big? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because, um, you know, when you when you argue with Philadelphia fans, they'll argue and they'll you look love at, doing right. They'll look at their, you know, they'll look at their team and basically say, you know, we've got a fire – Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator. We got to fire Sean Desai, you know, the defensive coordinator. These guys aren't like you're trying to learn your football team. 
You're trying to learn what they do well, what they don't do well. The other thing that you're trying to do, especially on the offensive side of the ball, you're trying to transition out of your quarterback spending so much time running the football. You're trying to transition from a complete, almost balanced RPO, let's run our quarterback on the designed, you know, run plays based on, you know, the zone, the zone read stuff where you're you're flagging the ball in there and if the end pinches down, you take it and pull it. Like they're trying to get away from that stuff because I think ultimately it's smart. I think ultimately Brian Johnson understands this. I think it's also uh, Nick Sirianni understands that's not a long-term recipe for health of your quarterback. And in a league where you know quarterbacks are getting hurt, you know all the time, this is something. And, and Jalen Hurts, frankly, has a knee injury that he's been kind of dealing with, and the bye week I'm sure did him well. But so they're transitioning and, and, and kind of recalibrating their offense at the same time. You know where people are just. You know they're what are what are they seven one eight and one whatever they are and people are like we got to make some changes you know and I think what they're doing Philly fan relax yeah I think relax what doing, you're good right I think what they're doing is really it's really good stuff yeah. and they're really they're really winning short term with a long term view right right which is that's smart football that's really smart football so. In the short term, if you can still win games while you're taking this long view of who you are and where you want to go, um, and and that I mean that takes that takes time, that takes patience, that which none of us have, right? But that it takes it takes you know some coaching and some massaging to get that done. So while Philly and Kansas City is the big heavyweight matchup, the game I'm fascinated about Thursday night football. We got a really good one right. finally, a good Thursday night football match with. Uh, Baltimore and Cincinnati, two teams that literally a week ago you and I are talking and we're like, hey, you know, is this the best team in the AFC? Is this the team nobody wants to play in the AFC? And yet both went out and pooped in their helmets. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so now we got a matchup between two teams like, okay, which one of you is going to answer? Which one, is gonna, which one of you is going to respond after, you know, some tough losses? Something you and I kind of argue about on our show occasionally is, you know, you, you like to say really stupid things like, you know, points come in the passing game and blah, 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 you know. and Right. right. And, and where I always say, hey, man, physicality leads to opportunity. Physicality in the running game leads to opportunity in the passing game. And you can make it really easy on yourself when you can dictate running the football and winning the battle of the trenches. That, to me, is football 101, and that will never go in and out of style. That will never change. Last week, I, I defy you. Go through every single game, regardless who the quarterback is. Show me the team that won the physical battle of the trenches, the team that ran the ball the best, not only with the most yards, but the most frequency. And I'll show you the team that won every matchup last week, regardless of quarterback. And, you know, Baltimore ran the ball really well early. And then I almost feel like, you know, you put it on cruise control thinking, we got this thing wrapped. And then, Deshaun Watson kind of goes off in the second half. I think it was 14 to 14 in the second half. And and they run the heck out of the ball in the second half, they being the Cleveland Browns, and they end up beating them, whatever the score was, 33-31 or whatever. But but the bottom line to me is I still think the Ravens are maybe the most equipped football team in the AFC when it comes to just being able – to dictate to the opponent, being physical and wearing you out in a battle of the trenches. Although it didn't pan out last week, I think they are. I still think they are the team 
that more than anybody you don't want to you don't want to face you because you know they're going to try to wear you out and then you know the off schedule stuff with their quarterback is impossible to defend so they're the now Cincinnati's a little well, built a little different okay so then yeah. if what i'm hearing is is correct then are you saying that the key for Cincinnati moving forward on a team that's got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins when he gets healthy, Tyler Boyd, is Joe Mixon? Well, I think that more, they need more think, Joe Mixon. I think you need to mix in more Joe Mixon. Yeah, right. I mean, I think that's I think that's part of the formula. But the thing about Cincinnati, and they've been built this way, they're built primarily on obviously Joe Burrow, and I've talked about him a bunch. He's all balls. Um, the dude is a great player, threw two picks at the end of the game last week, which really cost them, but, you know, uncharacteristic of Joe Burrow. But they're built, they're a shotgun football team. You know, when I did a Cincinnati game earlier in the year, and this is when Joe Burrow was hurt, and you could tell that that calf was limiting him in not only his ability to escape and movement and extend plays and all that kind of stuff, but it really was uh, it was hindering him, even though he said it wasn't. He lied to me. That's okay. I, I appreciate that. I did pray for his little baby hands. Um, but he he did tell me that it didn't bother him throwing the football, but you could see that on, on film it just looked like, and I didn't buy his explanation, It you could tell that like he's having trouble driving the the tough throws, right? Not the layered throws and the the underneath throws, but the tough throws when you're on one hash and you got to drive it to the opposite sideline. Like you could tell that, that wasn't comfortable. And long story short, they were in shotgun pretty much a hundred percent of the time. And I started thinking to myself because I hadn't done a Cincinnati game. I was like, are they always this way? Mm-hmm. So then I went back and looked at a couple games from the previous years, and they are. A shotgun team. They're primarily a shotgun team. Well, here's what happens to you in shotgun, and this is a problem for them. One, it eliminates about 30% of what you can do in the run game. Okay, it just it just takes it out. The thing that I think more importantly than anything else, it really takes away your hardcore run action, play action plays. So there's a difference when you're playing linebacker on the opposite side of the field, right? Mm-hmm. And the quarterback's in shotgun, right? And he catches the ball here, and then he goes like this and hands it to the running back and then throws it. Even if you're pulling a guard, which is the best way to kind of sell run action out of shotgun, but even if you're doing that, you know what the, the linebackers have on you from their position? Vision. Mm-hmm. They can see it. It's easy. Like, it's easy to see. And you can play from high to low as opposed to low to high, meaning you can take an extra yard off the ball. And if they hand that ball off, there's enough time to close that thing down and still meet the running back in the backfield. Now, go from shot, go from shotgun to under center. Now, all of a sudden, I'm under that center. Bam, I take that ball. Boom, I duck down, and I turn my back to the defense. Can't see the ball. Now I hand it with my back to the defense and the running back in tight, you can't see. And then all of a sudden you, you come out, you dip up, and you stand up. You have to, as a linebacker, honor that. You have to step up. When you step up, you know what happens? That gap between you and the safeties gets really wide. So the intermediate passing game becomes so much more effective out of the run action stuff in, in, uh, in under center stuff than it does in gun stuff. And – it's a to me, you you do yourself a disservice when you spend 
98% of your time in gun. They do it because Joe Burrow is that freaking good. But did you just lay out the fatal flaw of the of the Bengals? Sure. We'll, now, we'll, keep, them, me, we'll uh, keep them from going yeah. to a Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl? I think it's I think it's their fatal flaw. Now, listen, it hinders you, in my opinion, from winning a championship. Could you still win a championship? Sure, because you got Joe freaking Burrow. And you got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and 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 Joe Mixon's a damn good player. You got really, really good players. And let's let's face it, if you execute and you don't have turnovers and you know, and yes, you can you can win any game. They can win any game they line up and play. But when you get into that that snot nose type of like I think those are the hard games for them to win. So we'll see. I mean, they beat Tennessee, who tried to run it down their throat. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, ultimately in a playoff game, they got Tennessee got nine sacks and they still won because Ryan Tannehill decided that uh, he was in the Christmas spirit and he decided to give the ball to Cincinnati's defense a mo- on what, three times? Well, you're describing the kind of football you play in the AFC North in November and December. And mm-hmm. boy, we got one of those matchups this weekend with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. But the big news. Deshaun Watson, broken bone in his shoulder, undergoing season-ending surgery, and you know what does that mean? Because as as much as Deshaun Watson hasn't lived up to his billing yet in Cleveland, Mm -hmm. you're you're still talking about a guy with a resume, right? right? And now you take him out of the mix for this Cleveland team. What does this mean for them and their playoff hopes? Yeah, I think. I think obviously, I think PJ Walker is a good player, and I think he's a dynamic player. But again, like, how limited are you offensively with the menu that you can present to the defense? Um, how much timing and rhythm does he have with the receivers they have? Uh, like, there's, it, it certainly, it certainly hurts you. I mean, you, you know, I know you spent a ton of money on on Deshaun Watson, but. I think he's a good player, but certainly he's you know he's hasn't established himself as a pure NFL starter, and so I think he's dynamic. I think he's got some good things going for him. Um, you know, the great thing for them is they can still run the ball. They've got mm-hmm. a dominant offensive line. They've got a dominant defense. They were a top five defense, albeit they gave up all those points last week. But you know, they are they are and they have the ability to kind of dominate both lines. So of what scrimmage. am I hearing? Am I hearing correctly that you know it? It's, it, it's not great to lose Deshaun Watson, but it's not a death knell for their season. I don't think Deshaun Watson's playing at a level that is that is much more than a they backup quarterback. I mean, I, ha, have you felt that Deshaun Watson? I mean, he's been he hasn't injured, been a difference been, maker. No, no, he hasn't been. It's kind of like um, he's not losing games for mm-hmm. Cleveland, but he's not winning games mm-hmm. for Cleveland. Right. He's just kind of managing games, and like I said, in the second half was his best half of football that he's played since he signed that contract with Cleveland. But um, that's unfortunate for them. For Pittsburgh, it's business as usual. Yeah, right. I mean, we're just going to play defense. Yeah. T.J. Watt's going to, you know, going to lead our football team. They're really running the ball well. They've got a great balance between uh, Harris and between uh, what's the other kid's name? Warren. Uh, Warren, yeah. They've got a great balance between Harris and Warren. I like that dynamic nature. Warren is really kind of a, a little bit of a jitterbug, although he's got power. Um, Harris is just straight up, you know, downhill type of guy. Uh, I like what they're doing. 
I, I just, I really, I love Mike Tomlin. I just really think they're well coached. And I think one of the things that that just resonates with me is they know who they are. Yeah. And they're not, and they're not like, you don't apologize. No. Hey, man, you know what? We're, we're bo- it's, it, it, there was an old, there was an old, oh gosh, I forget what the movie was, but it was uh, this show and it was, became this truth and advertising thing. And, you know, they were like, this guy was having all kinds of success with truth and advertising. Instead of pumping it up really mm-hmm. big, he was just like, and I remember one of the ads was uh, Volvo. We're boring, but we're good. You know, that <laughs> right. was like, right, right, right. And so that's that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're boring, but yeah. we're good. And, and uh, yeah, get ready for another ugly game, right? Yeah, if you're a Steeler fan, get ready for another ugly that, game. But why, by the way, it's why, it's my favorite city to go call a game in, yeah. Pittsburgh. Because that's, they are... They are, they are the bluest of blue collars. That's why I'm saying it's. I love them. It, it's like you talk about any other football team winning ugly, and it's almost like something you feel like you have to apologize for. Mm. But in Pittsburgh, yeah, both the, the fan base and the team, that's their identity. Yeah, yeah, and they wear it so well. Yeah. So yeah, let's go and play some more ugly football. Sign me up. Sign me up for ugly football. Yeah. I'm I'm in. I am in. I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. <laughs> <laughs>